Hello and welcome to Inkspire from Tharston, the podcast that talks about all the different ways that you can help your print business to lead the way. In each episode, we'll cover a range of topics such as the latest and greatest technologies for printers, industry trends, and knowledge that could help your business run faster and smarter. So, here we go. In today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Chief Matt Murtry, uh, Tharston's CEO, and we're going to be discussing about automation and uh, if automation can help you to improve the running of your business and and ultimately uh, be more profitable. Um, So we're going to cover a couple of um, uh, key questions that often get asked uh, and I thought would be good to put to Keith and get his uh, his, his, um, opinion and uh, values on that. So uh, let's get started, Keith. Uh, First of all, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks, Ross. Happy to to be here. Cool. So um, let's dive straight in, Keith. I think one of the, the, the big questions that often gets asked uh, when we're uh, talking to businesses is how does automating your workflow system actually make you more profit? What's your thoughts on that? Um, okay, well, first of all, um, I'd like, let's define what we mean by workflow systems. We may be tempted to think of the uh, automating of job instructions through your production workflow only. But we need to think more broadly than this because automation, um, it covers your entire business potentially. So it could be orders coming in, being received from your, your clients or, um, or even other, uh, other organizations. We're talking about automated outgoing communication to your customers, to connections to your shipping providers, to billing systems to even automated warehouses using automated guided vehicles or AGVs and so on. So it's much, much bigger than just production workflow. But in its simplest form, and to try and answer the question about making you more profitable, if we we look at a a typical uh, PSP today, the first option is to use automation technology that they probably already have or is available to them for a, a nominal uh, amount of money. Yeah. So to allow them to automate touch points in their workflow to do the same amount of work but with less cost, or perhaps what's much more appealing to everybody is to do more business but without increasing costs. Mm. So kind of like a linear growth. Yeah. Uh, through through um, streamlining them processes that you don't need to take on more people to absolutely to take on a new account or something like that. Absolutely. That's uh, that's a that's a really good. That's a really good point. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for that. So, um, so how how would the how would a business achieve that? How how can a business use automation to do more business? What's what's your thoughts there? Well, okay. So, print manufacturing technology is it's got better, it's got faster, it's got smarter, and it continues to get better and faster and smarter at every iteration. And we can't stop. And in fact, we don't want to stop the equipment manufacturers from improving their products. So typically these days, the bottleneck in your organization is not your printing equipment. It's not your pulse press equipment. It's not even your pre-press. It's typically further upstream within your estimating, your order processing, your production planning, or further downstream in shipping and billing. And these are the bottlenecks that strangle businesses today. 
They can't get through the work. And even if they wanted to take on this new contract, they probably couldn't unless they implemented some of this automation technology. So this is the area that, that you, you need to focus on. These are the functions that you need to use technology to help automate. That's cool. Yeah, so I, it's, I, I think like um, we've often talked before about uh, that um, you were once at Heidelberg seminar and, and that uh, they made that prediction many years ago about shorter runs and, and how that's going to kind of impact the industry. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you would picture the, the, the job life cycle over the years, I mean, yes, you're right. I was at a seminar. It must have been 15 or even 20 years ago yeah. now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they showed that they were talking about how their presses were improving in run speed, uh, in, in their ability to maintain a consistent run speed, mm -hmm. how make ready times were getting shorter, and that run lengths were going to shorten significantly. And, and what this did was it increased the proportion of that sort of non-chargeable time, that administrative time, that creating the, the quote, putting the job ticket together, planning the job, it increased the percentage that that time represented in the overall job life cycle. Mm -hmm. And also the, the industry or the world is more demanding these days. We expect things turned around quickly. We expect our quote quicker. Yes. So that's put extra pressure on us. So as well as the proportion of non-chargeable administrative time increasing, there's also a pressure to turn that around much faster. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a very, very good point. So, um, uh, is there a suggestion here that, that if you implement uh, technology that, that you can then replace people? Oh, absolutely not. No, I'm not suggesting this. People are your more valued, most valued resource. What I'm suggesting is that you implement technology that releases your people from mundane, repetitive work on tasks that can be very that are very easy to, to, to identify the process for. They're very well defined because this helps to get people to work on uh, more high-valued work to, that creates a higher value and higher contribution to the organization. Combine this with the fact that um, technology can also often turn a non-profitable job um, into a profitable job. Yeah. So I'm reminded of a, a company that, that does employ technology extremely effectively. They take orders online. It's all done automatically. Mm -hmm. But these are for very, very, very low-value jobs, extremely low-value. They had to take it take this uh, contract as part of a as a part of a bigger project. Right, okay. So it comes like a lost leader. It's exactly what it was. Right. And, and if they'd run those jobs individually, they actually lost money on them. So they implemented automated technology in order to um, gang them together yeah. and to, to uh, make them actually profitable. And every month they run a report that, to, to check that they are, in fact, still making a modicum amount of money and what is, in fact, should have been a lost leader. Oh, that's a job. real win, isn't it? So, so they've, they've managed to use technology to squeeze profit back into it. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that... The, the, the people that run this, yeah. they're, 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 a, they're, a very, they're a set of very clever people, mm -hmm. but they, they wouldn't have been available to do this, to actually implement this technology to save money 
if they didn't use technology to remove some of their mundane tasks. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it, it becomes a win-win once you, you free up those people to do cool jobs. Yeah. They can then add value back to the business by so implementing more technology. Focusing on what can I fix next? What, yeah. can, what can we improve? And That's right. Continuous improvement That's cycle. right. Other than previously, they might have just actually taken on more people. Yeah. Which would have would have been a double whammy. So it's like a compounding effect, isn't it? It is. It's, it's exactly it's, that. It grows and grows. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's some really good points there, Keith. That, what, what is the biggest barrier to implementing an automated workflow then? Well, it's, it's actually nothing, you'd think it might be, but it's nothing to do with technology. Well, <clears throat> I say that it sort of is and it sort of isn't. Right. You, you see, the technology is actually so good these days that if a system isn't configured correctly, then you can really screw things up. Yes. So much so that people... They give up the first time that something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So actually, I'm sort of contradicting myself here that I'm talking about the biggest barriers. Actually, the amazing resource I mentioned just a moment ago is the people. I mean, I delivered a webinar recently about, and I asked the attendees, what was their main reason why their automation projects had failed and not sort of realized their full potential? Yeah. And interestingly, they're only 21% came back and said that they felt that technology wasn't up to the job. And everyone else oh, wow. cited problems um, as the cause, such as lack of an unclear, unclear vision, yeah. the mindset and the attitude of the people within the company, yeah. and importantly, a lack of time to devote to the project, mm -hmm. or in fact, all of the above. And it, it echoes what I see when I'm out there visiting, mm. um, visiting customers. So imagine you've got the technology that can actually create a job now and it can pass it all the way through your workflow. That's great in a demonstration environment. But as we know, print is incredibly complex and incredibly diverse. Now, because we can control what passes down from one stage to the next, if it's wrong, mm. you come to a stop. So the question is, what do you do with that stop? And what can happen with the wrong attitude and the wrong mindset is that people throw their arms up and say it doesn't work mm -hmm. they blame the technology when actually it's not the technology the technology works it's it's that old adage that garbage in garbage out yeah. takes over so they use this as an opportunity to blame it because people have often have this inherent fear of technology that yeah. it's going to take away their jobs which just isn't the case mm -hmm. it's freeing them up to do better jobs mm -hmm. more interesting more higher value jobs and in fact, uh, I, I, if we don't get this technology linked together properly and the people um, sort of correcting that scenario that caused the barrier in mm -hmm. the first place, then you get um, you, your, your workflow becomes contaminated. I'll give you an example. Um, we implemented a, a, an automation system at a customer's and everything was lined up. It all worked. Job to pre-press, pre-press to press um, ink profiles flowing through, automatically matching up with the press presetting information. The customer called to say, it's not working. We did a, we took the job, we tested it, we sent it through, it was working. So we actually went to, um, actually to go on site mm -hmm. and to meet with the people running it. And when we watched them actually carry out this job, they submitted the job into pre-press, the pre-press guy then opened up the job, 
didn't like the way it was set up because it ah. wasn't the way he liked yeah. to do it. So he deleted everything, so that put his own changes in, and then <laughs> that was the aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. And he then output, from, from his point of view, everything was fine. Mm. But the point is the workflow is now contaminated and nothing tied up with the press. Mm -hmm. So the biggest barrier, it, it, it is the people and the, the right, the sort of the culture. Yeah. Um, the technology works, mm. but that's great because people can be, mm. can be shown what to do. We did a webinar a while back actually about project implementation of an MIS mm -hmm. uh, and, and similar surveyed everybody that was participating in that and very similar to what you said there that one of the, the, the two biggest uh, concerns of implementing a project were having not having a clear vision and time and mm -hmm. so in the webinar we, we talked about ways to address that and, and, and tips and tricks that customers have done to address these and it was, it was a really good webinar uh, which you can get on our, our website. Um, so yeah, so it, 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 it is very uh, kind of good that you're you're seeing that that same thing as well, and it's it's not about technology, it's 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 about people and culture as well. Um, so that said, then how how would you address this problem, the, the people problem? What's your well? <clears throat> I have a very simple view to this. Um, you need to make sure you have these three key roles. Uh, involved in your uh, your project, mm -hmm. and they are the number one is the visionary. Okay, yeah. so that's the person who knows um, what they want to do, yeah, and uh, and why they need to do it. Not necessarily how, yeah, but they know that they have the vision for their business. They are they can see that yes, we need to automate. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I need to free up my people so that they can. I can take on more work yeah. um, so that I can provide uh, a, a better experience mm -hmm. all round. As well as the visionary, you then need somebody that's going to actually do this. You need your executor. Yeah. Now, this is the person. This is really important. Mm -hmm. So your executor is able to um, understand the vision. They should have a really broad knowledge of the organization. Okay. Because they, they can't be biased to one particular area. They can't. It's easy to say we're going to make this person in charge, which is head of prepress. Well, if they're head of prepress and they don't have a broad experience of the rest of the business, you will get a very biased implementation. Yeah, you need someone who has that bigger picture of the of the whole organisation. Yeah, yeah, and they need to have the authority that's given by the visionary, who's typically the company owner, yeah. to to affect change. They need to. Things will need to change. Mm -hmm. This executor will also have a good grasp of technology, mm. but of technology relative to the in their industry. Not necessarily; mm. they don't need to be a um, sort of a whisked programmer, but they do need to understand print technology and to have yeah. an appreciation. And of course, when it comes down to it, you know, you will. Whilst a lot of products have capability of integration, and this is getting more and more and more uh, globally, yeah. you will hit technological bumps in the road where you need to connect two pieces of equipment or deal with a particular scenario. Mm -hmm. So you need those technical people to help you get around that. Now they will either build a technical bridge to go over this bump in the road, yeah. maybe some, um, I don't know, some automatic import routine that takes yeah. place or, or whatever it might be, and you need those technical people. Now, those technical people may be internal resource, or they could be external. Mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, but it's, it's, it's really crucial that you invest the time and effort on the back of all of this in your company culture. And if the visionary achieves one thing, it's to make sure that they ensure that the whole company understands why. Why are they doing this? What's the overall purpose? So that everybody is on board and so that this um, automation project becomes mm. infectious. So yeah. culture is the key. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think it is very, very key. And like I say, with that, that vision, when that vision is communicated across a business, it really does help everyone in that organization to make better decisions because they can ask, does this decision support our vision? Helps them to prioritize tasks. It helps them to, to, to um, implement a, a project because they, they know what they're achieving, uh, what, what they set out to achieve so they can understand what tasks they need to do to get there. So totally, uh, a really, really good point there. Um, so we talked about people and technical people and uh, as, as well as being part of that. So um, I'm, I'm going to ask a shameless question. Uh, what attributes do I look for in an MIS that will enable me to automate? What, what should a business look for in an MIS to, to help them with that? Well, you know, I think the MIS these days in a, in a printing organization, I mean, they are pivotal, aren't they, to mm -hmm. automation? Um, but a lot of, there are a lot of good products out there now on the yeah. market. Um, and yes, you're right, this is a real opportunity to plug <laughs> our product. But actually, you know, it's not what you look for in the MIS product as such. Mm. That's important. But then, like I say, there's some good technology providers out there. But it, I think it's what you look for in the MIS provider themselves. Yeah. Okay. So just as people um, internally within your organization have to have the right mindset, the right attitude, the right knowledge, and the right culture, so does your MIS provider. Mm -hmm. they, they need to be willing and able to work with any partner in your technology chain. They can't be a closed shop. They can't yeah. be something, somebody that says, it's our way or no way at all. You need a, um, a provider that has a, a proven track record of, of and experience of delivering integrated projects alongside their customers. So if I was to use this as an opportunity to plug our company, I'd be plugging the people, because just as in print, I believe people are our most valued resource. And I say that, you know, we have a great bunch of people. It's something yeah. we have in abundance. We've got people from the industry, mm. they are either ex-printers or they've worked for other vendors supplying yeah. products to the two um, organizations within the printing industry. Mm. They, and they all, and this is the really key thing, they all really get a kick out of working on these projects. Yeah, absolutely. So they absolutely, they buy into and they love the journey yeah. with the customer. Yeah. And, and after many years, you know, they still often say to me, you know what? I see something happen automatically and it still gives me a thrill. Yeah. We are geeks and we're proud of it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we're print geeks. Cool. So, um, yeah, that, there's some really good things that we talked about here on, on, on automation. Uh, but I'm just going to uh, kind of go back to, to, to that idea of, of automation and, and profit uh, and, and how they're connected. So how, how, is, how is this going to make a, make a business more money? Okay. So, first of all, the, the, the obvious one, is that there is going to be savings in cost yeah. by automation. If you can remove 
touch points in your workflow, yeah. then that's something that you're not going to have to do manually. Yeah. So that saves cost. Okay, and that ultimately falls to the bottom line. But that won't be enough in the long term. Mm. I, I, I keep, you can, you can probably tell I've got a real thing about this, but I keep going on that by using technology, we can free up our people, mm -hmm. not replace our people, yeah. but free up our people so that they can, they can innovate, they can come up with new concepts mm. and can add value to the products that you provide to your customers. But perhaps most importantly today, is it enables your people to deliver an absolutely, truly exceptional customer experience. Yeah. Um, I, I'm reminded there was, a, there was a Walker study in 2017 that said that customer experience will overtake price and product as the key brand differentiator by 2020, and that's next year. Yeah. Okay, so only with the right culture in your organization Will you be able to deliver a fantastic customer experience? It does not happen accidentally. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a lot of focus, a lot of, a lot of effort, doesn't it, to, to, to do that? It does. It does. I mean, you know, we, we all see it today. Mm. You know, um, the world is changing. The, the culture is changing. People want instant response. We want instant gratification. And our customers, they, they expect... Um, they expect us to understand their technological needs, yeah. whether that's through interfacing with their systems um, or popping messages up on their phone, uh, online ordering, repeat ordering, tracking. People just expect it today. It's, it's the norm. And only integrated technology will make that difference, yeah. but not on its own. It doesn't work without the right culture. Yeah. So in fact, um, there's, there's actually a bit of a triangle thing going on here. Um, I use this to, to, in a presentation I gave to the BPIF. So imagine three points of this, this triangle. We have customer experience in one point of the triangle. Yeah. We have culture in the other and technology. And they all combine together. So it isn't just about technology creating automated workflows. That alone is not going to drive profits. It's only going to save cost. Yeah. And even then, it's dependent on the mindset and the adoption of that technology. Yes. So <clears throat> this isn't going to give you as much opportunity to make profit as the other option, which is selling more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the key to growth, i.e. profit, is by delivering an exceptional customer experience. I mentioned the Walker study earlier um, regarding customer experience, um, but another well-known sort of um, data sort of um, consultancy company, yeah. McKinsey Co. also reported that those brands with a fantastic customer experience saw revenues increase as much as 10 to 15 percent as well, right, as, yeah. as well as lowering the cost to serve by 15 to 20 percent. And if we're providing a fantastic customer experience, yeah. customers are happier. Mm. And actually dealing with happy customers costs you less. Yes. It totally. absolutely costs yeah. you less. A report from Oracle said that 86% of customers would pay more for a product with a great customer experience. We all know from personal experience that is absolutely true, isn't it? Yeah. You know, stepping outside of business, we, we will do. We'll every, every single day. So we why would it not be the same in business? It is, it is exactly that. So... Um, 
It is without, without this customer experience, which can only be delivered by combining your technology mm -hmm. with your um, people. Yeah. That's the only way. Think of that triangle by using technology and yeah. your people or the culture. Yeah. You deliver a great customer experience, and it's, it's only by doing that that you will be successful. Because you know today's digital world, it is so simple for your competition to yeah. replicate what you do. Mm. They can replicate your product. They can certainly replicate your price. Mm. They can even replicate your brand. Mm. But what they can't do is replicate that culture and that experience you deliver to your customers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, you know, in sort of summary, you, you use you use technology to streamline your organization yeah. and to remove touch points, to reduce the costs. But that then releases that valuable resource, your people, to innovate, yeah. to to add value to perhaps low value jobs mm -hmm. and then to create more uh, value in the business by adding a fantastic customer experience mm -hmm. so that customers are, will stay with you, new customers will join you mm -hmm. and all. And that is where the, yeah. the, the, the big wins come. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's more than just, just cost saving and profit. It's, it's about actually this can really help you to differentiate and, 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 and strike out differently to your competition. Yes, and, and, and that's right. And technology is here to stay and, and it's not going to go away. Mm. So we have to embrace, yeah. we have to embrace it. I mean, I, I often tell the, 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 um, the story of, of uh, Zappos, which okay. is a, I don't know if you've heard of Zappos. Shoes, right? Shoes, yeah. correct, shoes. Um, Zappos was, um, created by a, a gentleman called Tony Shea, and they are an online retailer of shoes. Now, you would think, how do you compete in the world of online retail? That must be cutthroat, because mm. you're selling a commodity product. Yeah. So their approach was simply all about customer experience. Mm. Okay, it was to provide the, their mission statement when something along the lines of to provide the best customer experience possible. Yeah. That's all that they did. Their staff were focused on it. They have a very intensive induction program where people join their, their new starters, go through this for four weeks, and after a couple of weeks of soaking up the culture, which this culture of customer experience and just going above and beyond whatever the customer wants, they're there to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. In fact, Tony Shea removed job titles and made everybody the same job, job title. I think they called something like um, customer partners okay. or something like that. And um, so people soak up the culture and after a couple of weeks, they get an offer, something called the offer, where they are offered to take a check for $2,000 and if they don't want to stay and work for Zappos, mm -hmm. then they can leave with the check. And they've got up until the end of their induction program to decide. But if they absolutely do want to yeah. stay, they give the check back. The point is that it means that they've totally bought into something bigger 
than just yeah. getting a paycheck at the end of the month. Mm. They've bought into the culture because it is so pivotal to Zappos. It's at the forefront of their business strategy to provide exceptional customer experience. Mm. That's a, a, a very uh, interesting approach, isn't it? Well, it hammers home the importance yeah. of this mm. this side um, of um, of the profitability yeah. and improving the growth, you know, improving the growth of your business. And it must work because they were actually acquired by Amazon. Mm. I think it was about one point two billion dollars wow. for an online retailer of shoes. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I say, that, that initial thought of online shoes, like it's a Thing that you want to try on as well to overcome that and, and its customer experience has, has, has got them to where they are that's that's, that's phenomenal uh, yeah so so that's uh, really good to uh, hear, hear about that um, particular example what, what about our customers um, what what have you seen them achieve you mentioned earlier about a customer who who um, turned a non-profitable job into a profitable job have you, have you got any other examples you could share with us um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I can't go um, naming names, uh -huh. um, but I can think of um, a customer that has, um, they have automated orders coming in and these orders then sit in a sort of a, a, a holding pattern yeah. until such time that there is um, an appropriate number of them Two, it's a bit. It's the job ganging. It's a job ganging example again. But they okay. they take lots of orders from lots of different customers, hold them. When there's enough for uh, an efficient job gang, they use technology to automatically gang that. Right. So and then they what they do then is they then send that job through with a ganged art worksheet through to their to the MIS, which is obviously ours. It's then evaluated as to whether or not, based on the run length, whether it's appropriate for um, conventional sort of offset litho or whether it's too into digital. Mm -hmm. That's done and then automatically sent down to the appropriate output device. So that happens completely automatically. Yeah. Um, I have another customer that um, takes orders coming in via XML. Okay. That information is then processed, corrected, because often it's 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 not got all the information they need. Products, or should I say estimates for those products are created automatically, jobs are created automatically, the artwork is then retrieved from the location relative to the product code that's being ordered, and then is sent automatically down to the digital device. And quite literally, Nobody touches this until it arrives in the in the queue on the DFE on the press. So it's removed every every touch point. And yeah. Of course, then the job gets printed and the information is fed back mm -hmm. as to as, as to what the actuals were. You know, yeah. what, what media was used, what, how long did it take, and so on. People using innovative proofing mechanisms mm. in the in their systems that have been around for quite a while. Yeah, that's, um, often, that's often a challenge for business. I'm, I'm, I'm personally seeing a lot more interest in that area myself when I'm, as, as my role of customer enrollment manager. Yeah, and it's, it's just a challenging area for a, for a business that proofing side, wasn't it? And well, it is because the, the you know the workflow. Um, it, it starts with the customer. If, if in a more traditional environment, it starts with the customer saying, can you give me a price for X? Yeah. And that the, the, the price is then created based on it being X. Yeah. 
And then the artwork arrives, and invariably it's not X, it's Y. Yeah. And then suddenly, all of this technology that you've automatically got lined up, it just collapses. Yeah. Because it's wrong. Now, is it that the the artwork is wrong, or is it that the instruction was wrong? Yeah, which is changed. And, and so you can implement technology to sort of evaluate that. It might be that the, the page gap's wrong. It might be that the page size is slightly wrong. It might yeah. be that the artwork has been supplied mm. as a as a, a spread or as reader pairs, mm. not individual pages, which all have an impact on automation. Yeah. So when you use technology, I've seen I've got customers who've implemented that sort of upstream technology that takes the content from the client, validates it against the job instruction. Yeah. If it passes, it flows through automatically. Yeah. If it fails, however, it goes into an alert queue. So somebody, a human being, then picks that up yeah. and deals with it. But this comes back to that customer experience again because, you know, take the example that it's a simple flyer that's being quoted. Yeah. And the artwork arrives and it's completely the wrong size. Mm. So were they expecting you to resize the artwork or did they expect it to be the size mm. of the artwork in the first place? Mm. Now, if that, come, that artwork comes in and sits in an in-tray yeah. until pre-press, then look at it, let's say, in the, late in the evening, yeah. they haven't got anybody to go to because the customer service person's gone home the yeah. following day, they go to customer service and say, this artwork's not what I was expecting. The customer service person goes back to the customer and said, what do you want us to do? Mm. And the customer says, you've had the artwork for 24 hours and you're only just coming back to ask me yeah. now. You told me you'd get on this straight away. Yeah. Whereas using technology, it would have validated that straight away. Mm. The customer service person could have rung them and said, Mr. Customer, this artwork doesn't match. You're on the front foot rather than and the And the customer's really impressed with the fact yeah. that you are absolutely on the ball mm. and think, oh, that's really cool. No, you're absolutely right. The artwork's wrong. Um, I want you yeah. to resize it for yeah. me, please, or whatever. Yeah. So, and these are examples of the type of things our customers are doing. I say, yeah, there's some real, real neat stuff there, isn't it? So, but then, just as there are customers that are doing that, mm. they are not the lion's share. Mm. Okay, so they are the, the exception and not the rule. Yeah. And the, the, the lion's share of people are not doing that, which is, I suppose, in a way, it's good because they've got opportunity. Yes. But when you get people who, who I talked about this project failing, mm -hmm. right? And um, the fact that other companies are making it work, why do other people fail? What's the difference? Between and the difference is the people. Yeah, it's the same equipment, the same types of jobs, using the same materials, selling often to the same customers. So the difference is the people. So this barrier to workflow, it's people. Mm. It's having the right people in the right place yeah. and creating a culture. So as I said, if there's one thing that visionary can achieve, it's to put their stamp on the culture yeah. to make sure everybody understands why we're doing this yes. and that it is for the benefit of all. Yeah, that's some really good points out that you shared with us uh, today, Keith. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, our listeners will, will really appreciate some of the points that you put across there. So, uh, well, that's it from us. Uh, uh, thanks again, Keith, for sharing your expertise. And You're welcome. Thanks to everyone for, for listening. You can check out more about uh, integration and automation on the Fast and Wild 
uh, in the show notes, or you can even drop in an email at ross.edwards at thorsten.com. And if anyone would like to take part uh, in the podcast uh, and join me to talk about something you're passionate about uh, that could help companies in our fantastic industry, then let me know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So until the next episode, goodbye and thanks for listening.